This is Inspiring Rare Birds, where we talk to women entrepreneurs about their business journeys and the challenges and opportunities they're experiencing as they grow. And now from our Sydney studios, here is founder and CEO, Joe Burston. Good morning, it's Joe Burston, the CEO and founder of Inspiring Rare Birds. And today on our podcast series, Rare Birds, Where Are They Now? We catch up with the awesome Sarah Regalhuff, who's one of our inspiring female entrepreneurs featured in our first title, Australia's 50 Influential Women Entrepreneurs. Of course, you can get this on our site, www.inspiringrarebirds.com. For those that don't know, Sarah is a serial entrepreneur whose business is specialised in personal finance. Her business, Wealth Enhancers, launched in 2012 and it's aimed to help Gen Y with their financial advice and lifestyle coaching. Wealth Enhancers is about to go on to its five years of business. So today we're going to catch up with Sarah and talk to her about what she's been up to in her entrepreneurial journey and what has changed within the last 18 months. Welcome, Sarah. It's so lovely to hear from you. I never know where you are all over the world. So let's talk about that first. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. It's so lovely to have you with us. And we've been reading all about your blog posts and especially love the one that you did around Secrets for Women Building Wealth. Can you tell us more about any of the exciting projects that you have coming up this year and especially what have you been doing the last 18 months? Because every time I look at you on social media, you're somewhere else in the world. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on the show. Firstly, it's great to be here chatting with you. I guess I'll jump right into the last part of that question and what have I been doing for the last 18 months. The beginning of last year, I moved over to Colorado. So I guess like technically I'm still living between Australia and Colorado, but I'm definitely spending more time in the US. And I did that because I wanted to ski more. So (laughs) it was a very selfish move just for my lifestyle. But yeah, I've spent the last couple of years making like turning my businesses fully remote and flexible so that I could have more flexibility and travel and do what I love to do without sort of having to go be tied to an office or whatever so I still work everywhere I am and on the days that I ski I still work but yeah I got to ski 98 days over the winter which was pretty amazing. Wow wow yeah so let's, um, let's dive into that Sarah because I think you're probably living the dream of lots of entrepreneurs and women that I know in business and that's being able to combine your true love of life which is I guess skiing and doing being active and not being you know domicile for too long with with a business how do you actually do that yeah it took a lot of time for me to actually change the business to this model so originally we went from having 14 or 15 of us in the one office together in South Melbourne in Melbourne and you know it was a big change to actually shake that up and we started by recruiting staff that were not in Australia so based internationally to build our team and then we started changing and moved into a co-working space and changing the culture to be more autonomous and flexible so everyone's kind of in charge of their own role and in charge of their own KPIs and their working hours and as long as they get the job done and everybody's happy but yeah it took time and there was some changeover of staff and things like that as we went through that process because not everyone really wanted to work in that way. But I did want to work that way because I'd realised that I had become a slave to my business and a slave to being the first in the office and the last to leave and all of that. And I thought, well, the change has to start with me and I have to start changing the business so that I can ultimately build the lifestyle that I want after sacrificing for 
about seven years, I guess, to just really work hard and build the company. I wanted to start to extract myself from some of that day-to-day and actually be able to live the life that I wanted to live, which is, as you say, travel and all of that. So what does a normal day in the business look like for you now? It's hard to say a normal day now because I'm pretty much (laughs) always on the go. I'm in San Francisco right now and I was in New York last week and Boston the week before, but it just depends on what I'm doing. But I mean, I do check in every day. So I'll have my days where depending on, I might have other demands where I might spend a couple of hours working, just checking in with the team. And then I'll have other days where I'll put in the long day to really catch up and get some actual work done. But I'm definitely in more of a leadership role now and much less of a doer. So I have an amazing team who execute on all of the things that I'm kind of working on and I don't have to work as many hours anymore as I used to. But it really all depends. And I think probably one thing that I've come to realize that I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for as entrepreneurs is that you know, the time that you're sitting in the cafe having a coffee and thinking about your business and probably doing a lot of strategic thinking and decision-making is work too. You know, I used Mm. to not really value that as work. I just used to think of it as my brain. But now I realise, like, I am working even when I might just be sitting around thinking about Mm. work, which is 24-7. You're always thinking about it. So, yeah. A lot of the people that are listening to this podcast in a series of where are they now, and we're obviously revisiting the 50 influential entrepreneurs of our first title. There's probably a lot of people that don't really know what Wealth Enhancers does, Sarah. So why don't you give us a good overview of what that does and how it enables your clients to solve problems? Mm-hmm. Wealth Enhancers is a financial planning firm that specifically works with Gen Y. So not young people, we're working with Gen Y. So as Gen Y gets older, we will continue to work with them. We understand this generation because we are that generation. So I'm Gen Y and all of my team are. And we understand the differences between this generation and previous generations, particularly when it comes to the way we want to live our life and the way we need to utilise our finances to make those those dreams and goals of ours come true. I think, you know, we're, we're pretty unique in that we really value lifestyle, I think, at a younger age and we have less of that delayed gratification mentality that our parents and their parents did. So we kind of really need to balance having a good lifestyle now with still building for our future and that's what we're really good at. So you really focused on wealth creation at a Gen Y stage and mm-hmm. enabling individuals to say build their companies or build their careers at the same time as building wealth outside of those things. Exactly. And I think that's a really important point. One of our target markets is entrepreneurs. We also work with professionals and sports and entertainment, but particularly for entrepreneurs, you know, we, we've all been guilty of it. We can really kind of hang our hat on our businesses and say, you know, I guess bet on them and say that's what's going to make us wealthy. But I encourage all entrepreneurs to not necessarily think that way because we've probably, again, all seen someone who that hasn't quite worked out and something's happened and the business has ended up failing for whatever reason. So, you know, you never really know what's around the corner. It can be way out of your hands and the value of your business can change overnight. And so actually making sure that you are building your personal wealth at the same time as building your business is very, very important. 
I completely agree with you, Sarah. I've done that for many, many years, probably for the last 20 years where I've built wealth inside and outside of the company. And Mm -hmm. I think from a women entrepreneur's perspective, having that safety net of always knowing I'm going to be financially independent no matter what, if one doesn't work, the other one will. If the other one doesn't work, the other one will. And by having lots of irons in the fire, both from a business perspective and then from an investment perspective, I've always felt like I've got a safety net if something was to happen dramatically with the economy or that if something was to happen dramatically with regulation from a government perspective. So I think it's such a wise and clever business that you're running. And I think that there's probably going to be a few Gen Ys who look through the rearview mirror and say, why wasn't I with Wealth Enhancers when I was sort of 25? I know. And the earlier we can get started with people, the better and the easier it is for them because playing catch-up later on is way harder. You've obviously got a really strong team around you. Let's talk about some of the HR hacks that that you can give our listeners who are at early stage setup and are looking to hire talent because obviously you've got a skill for it to be able to hire remote talent keep them aligned, be in a leadership role and run a successful business. So give us some insights of how you do that. I think the best thing for our culture ended up being going remote and being flexible. So it really changed our culture in a positive way. I guess it removes a lot of the day-to-day, you know, office politics crap that I, I don't think we had a lot of it, but it can definitely exist. It breaks down those barriers because you're not living in each other's pockets. So we have some like pretty good relationships and friendships within the team. It also, as a leader, challenges you and challenged me to make sure I'm constantly reiterating our vision and our values and our purpose and doing that on a regular basis with my team because we're not all sitting in a room, you know, looking at it on the wall or whatever you can do in a traditional office. So we have our weekly all company meeting and we go through a lot of that stuff as well as what are the priorities and things we're working on for the quarter and it just kind of keeps everyone on track and keeps everyone working together. I have consistently downsized my team as well, which is interesting. So I'm always looking and I've, I've got the team on board with this. So we have a profit share arrangement where everyone in the team benefits from the profitability of the company we're all aligned in kind of growing a sustainable company that's profitable but what it also has created is the team don't like carrying other team members who are not performing because it means that Mm. their piece of the pie at the end is also reduced and they've had to do the work of someone else so basically we're constantly looking and saying how can we automate more of the business and ensure that or split rather than sort of splitting someone's role in two more like morphine roles into others if we can find a way to do it so that you have better quality people who can perform at a higher level and less people to manage and less of a team to manage and that's been really beneficial for us because we've been able to grow the company bigger but with and slowly be less and a more tight team so I've quite enjoyed that and I know the team feel really aligned and really they work really well together. And it obviously allows for more skiing days as well. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I think Um, the other thing on that though as well is I think building, like looking at building a remote team with people in other parts of the world because wages in Australia are very, very high. So that's another advantage. And there's amazing talent out there. You know, you can find really, really amazing people that you might not even find locally. So that's been how do, you, cool. how do you go about finding these people and how, I mean, just give us some sort of indication of where people are currently located over the world that work with you. Yeah. 
So within our team, we have South Africa, Vietnam, Philippines, US, Bolivia, Australia, obviously. I think that's, that's it at the moment. So pretty diverse, which is also really fun talking about the cultural differences and getting to know each other and how things work in different parts of the world. Like that's been cool cool to build into our culture as well. But full disclosure on the recruitment side is that once I started doing it in Wealth Enhancers, I saw it as a big opportunity and went into that business. So I have another business called Grow My Team, which is a remote staffing agency. So I do that like as a business now as well, helping other companies do what I did because I do see it as such. It's been so amazing for me and I want other companies to be able to benefit from that. So tell me more about Grow My Team. What do, who's your target market there and how old is that business and how is it going? Yeah, it's going really well. It's about three years old. My general manager, Karen, is unbelievable and she really does run most of the business. So I really work with her in just a leadership strategy capacity and she does all of the day-to-day. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great business. And So how would, guess, how would one of our listeners try to, what would they be looking for and how would you go about helping them solve that problem? Yeah, so the, we work with sort of small to medium companies that are growing. That's basically our target market. So companies like Wealth Enhancers where I guess, you know, we're a team of about 14. So companies that probably have between five and 10 staff and want to start to scale and grow. And what we do is we recruit and manage the staff for you. So we will do a detailed discovery process and understand what you're looking for. So what the role is, whether it's, I don't know, a bookkeeper or an accountant or a graphic designer or a web developer or an administrative assistant or an operations manager, it could be anything. We'll deep dive into what that role is with you. Then we'll obviously source and advertise for that role and we'll find the person. And then we manage all of the ongoing payroll and performance reviews for them. And so if you have five staff with us, you just get one bill at the end of the month to pay. You don't have to pay the staff or anything. We have the contract with the staff and we pay them, but they're your dedicated staff member. And for all intents and purposes, they feel as though they're part of your team. They work for your company, but technically the contract is with us. So essentially it's almost like an international labour hire firm where you own the employment and you outsource or on hire the, the, the skills and labour of those individuals. Exactly. And I guess the main thing for us though is that if you hire Johnny, Johnny is your staff member. He doesn't work for anyone else. He just works for you. So we don't, in terms of outsourcing, we don't take work and give it back to you. We give you a staff member and you train them and you work with them you give their work to them and, and all of that on an ongoing basis. It's really interesting. Well, I've seen lots of BPO models, but I really like the fact that you have the individual dedicated to the culture of the company that they're working for, which I think is a really unique point of difference there. Yeah, and everyone works from home as well, which is cool. So they all have that flexibility to work from home and that means we can source talent from all over the world rather than just from one local area where they come into an office. Yeah. So it sounds like the last three years have been incredibly busy from a growth perspective and from a lifestyle perspective. What do you think has been some of your greatest successes, personal or business, since we caught up, I guess, 18 months ago? I think making the move over to Colorado and really making that dream come true, that's been something that I'd wanted to do for a long time. And as an out, like an outcome or result of that is that my companies are growing they're they're profitable they're growing they're bigger than they were before and I've been able to do that at the same time as reducing my contact hours 
and living more of a lifestyle that I want to live. So turns out, you know, the companies are better off without me. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I think um, my no, EA always good. gets more done when I'm not in the office as well. It's totally. Something mag- there's some, yeah. something magical about not being in their hair, isn't it? I know. We're just tinkering away when we get involved and they're like, can you just leave and just let me get back to work? <laughs> so what does 2017 look like? I mean, what would make closing out the end of this year, let's say by December, a really successful year for you and the business? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, we have our our plan and our numbers that we want to hit, so obviously hitting them would be nice. But essentially, just overall, I mean, I, I do just want my companies to continue to grow and thrive, to retain my existing team because I have a really wonderful team of people and I just love them all, so I want to keep working with them, looking at some interesting employee equity programs that I want to put in place to really reward those people that have stayed with me for a long time. And for myself personally, it's just I've got a lot of exciting travel planned opportunities that I'm getting involved with in different parts of the world. I'm going to visit Israel and look at the startup culture there and I'm doing a volunteer project to Cambodia. So just really having the companies continue to grow and thrive and the team continue to grow and thrive while I can personally grow and thrive. And I think that's really how I want my life to be, you know, both this year but also into the future. What do you see as some of the, the industry trends? I mean, you're in a very specific industry, which essentially is you're in the finance industry mm-hmm. from a remote or outsourced perspective with a remote and outsourced team, which I guess is leading the way for, in the sense for, you know, a lot of firms in Australia. What do you see the future trends are in within the finance industry that you're starting to see and what should we be aware of? What, what's coming up? I think, you know, from running a business perspective, anything in professional services in Australia, it is very hard to run a profitable, sustainable business if you're only hiring local staff. So I definitely think that looking at that model of being able to leverage, get that wage arbitrage with other countries is really important for the sustainability of your business and not having to charge exorbitant fees to your clients. I think technology within financial planning and within finance is definitely improving things. You've got all of these apps and online like websites and things where you can sign up and start investing with a lot less money, like the Acorns app where you can invest like 50 cents. Like every time you buy a coffee, it'll round it up to the nearest dollar and invest that money. So just purely from like the everyday person being able to access investments. I think technology is really enabling a lot of things. I mean, technology is enabling also that remote working, moving to having meetings online versus even for your clients having to traipse across town to meet you. Like we can be more convenient in the way that we deliver our service. I think those are some of the trends I see. Technology is just playing a really big role across the board, I think. Well, that's like, I mean, we're online now. It's, you know, it's 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon in San Fran and it's 10 o'clock in Sydney and we're yeah. having a perfectly great conversation and it, we don't need to be face-to-face these days. Yeah, it's amazing and I think there's a lot of fear around it initially, like whether you're thinking about moving your team remotely, whether you're thinking you're about delivering your professional service remotely to your clients or whatever it might be, but I think very quickly I realised once I started doing it that it's just totally fine and in most cases better and easier for everyone involved not to say that I don't you know understand and believe that actually having FaceTime with people is incredible and important and you know I'll still try to bring my team together at least once a year and I encourage them to go and meet their clients for coffee or for a drink but 
it kind of means you can be more social in person and stay on track and focused online when you're doing business. And I think that works quite well as well. Mm, I agree with you. I, I like that combination myself as well. Sarah, let's talk about something I'm really passionate about, and that's the financial well-being of women and mm-hmm. particularly Gen Y and women entrepreneurs. What are we doing really well and what are we doing really really badly, I guess? Let's talk about the realities of women and how they're managing their financials and building wealth inside and outside of their business. What are some of the mistakes that we're making and what are we doing really well? I think generally speaking, we are more educated now. We have more access to information is, is what I mean, I guess, by that with the internet. And we just have a lot more knowledge and a lot more conversation happening around personal finances than, say, 20, 30 years ago. I do think, though, you know, one of the big things is just getting started. Like a lot of people still, and women in particular, are still waiting for something to happen in the future before they're going to start. So whether that's earning more money or, you know, I hate to say it, but like meeting a man or whatever it might be, people are kind of putting off actually starting investing and starting chipping away at their superannuation and whatever, you know, needs to be done, buying a property, that kind of thing, because they're waiting for some big windfall or some big hit. But really it's all about just starting small but starting now and just doing what you can. So in some regards, I see that we've made a lot of progress and, and people are, women are investing more. And I mean, within Wealth Enhancers, definitely 50% of our membership base are women. So, you know, it's not like it used to be where it was only men getting financial advice and really women were sort of not doing it at all. It's definitely changing, but we can do more. There's lots and lots of women that are just not taking action and they're they're waiting. I think another common thing is getting a large cash position, so getting comfortable with saving and building cash but then not taking any steps to invest. And that's because there's a lot of fear around making a mistake or, you know, the media certainly does a good job of making investment markets seem really scary but that's a big problem because if you just stay in cash, you're not actually going to be able to build the wealth that you need and you don't get any capital growth with cash. It's just purely... in the bank is always going to be $100 and you earn interest but you don't have any capital growth whereas investing in shares or property or in your own business, you're actually going to create capital growth as well as income. So yeah, just getting started and trying to move away from that fear space and into more of that possibility space of what you could be, what you could create. So if I was a woman in my business, I've never invested before, I've got fear around it, but I've got cash, what's the first three things that I need to think about and do? I mean, I do think speaking to a financial advisor is really important purely because we don't get taught this stuff at school. And also I know how much work we have to do as finance professionals to stay abreast of everything that's happening in the industry and investment markets and all that. So there's a lot that actually goes into it. And I think the expectation of being able to do it yourself is not realistic, just like we wouldn't sort of medically treat ourselves or, you know, if you had to deal with some legal things, you'd go to a lawyer. So I think, you know, obviously that is my business, but I'm a really big believer in getting professional advice. But outside of that, I do think like an app like Acorns or Stock Spot, I mean, I have no affiliation with these products, but I just think that they're great, is a really great place to get started. So you can connect it to your bank account and you do a little profile test thing and then it tells you what type of investor you are and recommends a portfolio oh, wow. of ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds. So they're 
it'll track, say there'll be an ETF, which is the ASX 200. So it'll just do exactly what the top 200 companies share average share price in Australia does. So you can just invest in, it'll recommend a little, little portfolio. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you and can it's a, just. And it's a good way to be risk free, really, isn't it? Because you're only investing really small amounts. You don't have exactly. to be, you know, a sophisticated yeah. investor. No, and it just gets you comfortable with it because then you can start to see what the investment markets actually do and understand the volatility, but also understand that over the long term it does always trend upwards. So even though there's that day to day volatility, if you're investing for 10, 20 years or whatever, which we all are, we're investing for our whole lives. That volatility really doesn't matter. You've just got to, what matters is that you keep contributing and keep chipping away at it. So that's a good place to get started. Well, there's some great advice there, Sarah. Let's talk about some of the stuff that keeps you awake at night because we know from a from the Rare Birds community, we love to hear and illuminate and celebrate success. But what we do is actually learn a lot from the evidence that's left when we don't do things well. So let's talk about what is keeping you awake at night and how you go about managing that when you, do, when you don't sleep because of issues in the business. I'm such a good sleeper. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm really lucky in that regard. Oh, what keeps me up at night? I mean, at the moment things are pretty good. Oh, look, I, I sold a business a year ago and that deal didn't go very well and we're now going through legal channels to try to recover the second tranche payment that's still owed to us. So that when something like that happens, you know, it can be it's something that you think you think about. So I guess from that perspective I I think about how you know how I'm managing that and how I'm approaching it. But more than anything, I think what I've learned and where I've gotten to on my business journey is just a real attitude of accepting what is and trusting that I just need to follow, I just need to keep moving and that it'll work itself out. So we need to take action and we need to make decisions and all of that. But I'm really good now at not getting myself into a knot about things and not getting stressed out and really just knowing and trusting that things will always work out. There'll always be a step forward that we can take and it's not always clear up front, but nothing's really the end of the world. And so, you know, it is a bit of a boring answer, but I, it, nothing really stresses me out that much right now. Even this thing, which should be a really big deal, I just go, oh, well, it's just a legal process and we just follow it step by step. Yeah, so that's I been a big... To, I can totally relate to that. I think it's. I think I attribute it to two things, Sarah. And the first one is that as entrepreneurs or serial entrepreneurs, you become quite resilient to things mm-hmm. that perhaps bothered you when you were in the first year of your business. So your tolerance level of stress or the tolerance level of what you think is a problem has really changed. And then I think totally it's like someone said to me, I think someone famous has already said it, but everything passes. You know, it's not, yep. we're, not in a life, we're not in a life and death business. You know, we're no. Business. And business is pretty fundamental. Exactly. And I 100% agree. Like all of the challenges I've faced, and there's been plenty, like I've had key staff members quit. I've had a period where my business was losing way too much money for three months in a row and I had to like downsize and change everything and I've been through I lost my dad who was you know I was sort of in business with him that was really tough there's been lots of things along the way that you know I can talk about but really like you said those things have all just just added to my resilience and my understanding that yeah like this too will pass like everything will pass and everything will be okay and I feel that it's more beneficial for my, 
you know, like my soul growth, my who I am to practice acceptance and practice not getting myself stressed out in those times because that's actually more beneficial to me in the long run. Absolutely, and well, yeah, well done for, for, for being the same really early and being able to write those posts like sometimes when you want to. Now, we know in Australia, Australia's influential mentorship, which you were one of the key focus we focused on. I'm not sure if you know now that has almost 10,000 houses. It's in the office of local or state federal politicians all over the world in large businesses. In the offices, overseas and large businesses, in diplomats' offices, there's been quite an extraordinary message to the world from a, from a little place called Sydney, Australia. What is being reverted into you, Sarah, over the course of the last 20 months? Oh, that's so amazing to hear from you all of that success that it's had. For me, what it means is I want to, in everything I do, I want to, whether it's in a tiny way or a bigger way, just leave a positive impact on the world in my interactions. And, you know, I just really believe in fostering entrepreneurship for women. 57%, I think, of businesses in Australia are started by women, but historically we haven't seen them reach the heights at the same rate as men have. And I think a lot of that has been lack of a community of support network for those women. And so, being a rare bird for me and being part of this community is just about showing other women what's possible, being there to support them and be part of that community and create all of those conversations in that ecosystem so that they can start reaching the same heights as men equally. Absolutely. And, you know, we love <coughs> diversity at rare birds and we've got, you know, half of our board are male, half of our ambassadors are male. 45% of our mentors are male. So we've been able to really pull an ecosystem together of diversity and inclusion. I think that's part of the great success we're having now, being 57,500 women and their supporters across the world. So just before we finish up, a couple of more questions, Sarah. If you could have one mentor, anyone on the planet, for one day, who would it be and why? Oh, my gosh. I'm always really bad at these questions. Oh, one mentor. Everybody, Elon Musk. I mean, everyone, everyone has everyone has the same <laughs> Does everyone response say that? to that question. No, no, they have the same response. So it's like it's such oh. a it's such a difficult question to answer because there's so many brilliant minds to choose from when you can only have one. There really is. There's so many people. So I'm just in San Fran thinking right now and I'm like, you know what? He's pretty oh gosh. I mean, you could learn a lot from so many people and I'll just Try and learn a lot from him. That would be cool. A question that's come to mind just as we're talking, what do you think the differences are there in the ecosystem in San Fran as to Sydney? So we've got some perspectives through your eyes. I think culturally the US is different to Australia at its core. So there's one big thing for me that stands out, which is the lack of the tall poppy syndrome here in the US that we do have in Australia. And that is something that I have found and I know other people do find quite challenging. That's just from like a personal journey perspective. I think it can be quite hard in Australia, like as you start pushing boundaries and doing things differently with your life and, you know, ultimately achieving some level of success, you often find that you're not as well supported as you would have imagined you would be. That doesn't tend to exist here. People are excited for you. They're motivated by you. They want to help. They want to be a part of it. So that's something I like. But I think specifically in Silicon Valley, I'd say around raising capital, much more of a culture of raising capital for your startup over here than we have in Australia. 
also, you know, valuations and just the pure boldness of how people go about raising and how much they're going to raise and the valuation they put on their company is, you know, crazy compared to Australia, but it's exciting to be around it and to see what it is. And I think there's an element of that thinking big that kind of is what results in this city producing some of these amazing unicorns in the end anyway. So I think, you know, really ballsy kind of people that are out here really trying to make a big impact. And I think it's great for any Aussie founders if you can get out here and just see it and experience it because it will blow your mind and it will challenge you to start thinking a little bigger and a little differently. And and again, that doesn't necessarily mean you might not want to build a billion dollar company, but it might make you start thinking about building a $10 million company instead of a $1 million company or whatever it might be for you. It's pretty cool. So talking about building a billion dollar or $10 million or a million dollar company, Sarah, where is Wealth Enhancers going in the next couple of years? Share the journey and the vision with us. Yeah, I'd like to build a $10 million company. I mean, I'd like it to get it to that point. My goal is to have be helping a thousand Gen Y members. And that's really what I care about more so than what revenue or valuation we end up with on that company. But, you know, it's it's also yardsticks that we as entrepreneurs put in place. Yeah, more or less. I, I want to I want to be helping a thousand Gen Y members grow their wealth but also influencing the financial planning community to work with Gen Y because it's a huge market segment and we're working within a niche of that segment. We work with high income earning, high achieving, high performing, very driven individuals across those three sectors that I mentioned earlier. There's a whole mass market of Gen Y out there that need financial advice and I hope that through the work that we're doing being industry leaders in this in this space that we're influencing other companies to consider ways that they can provide financial advice to different parts of the Gen Y market. So this high-performing, really highly motivated, high net wealth individual, how do they go about finding you? What's your website and how do they get in contact? Yeah, jump on our website, which is wealthenhancers.community. We are a community, which is one of our differentiators. We actually bring our members together and introduce them to each other because we do believe that, you know, being around like-minded people who are trying to achieve great things with their lives will help you get in that mindset as well. And we do have a free session, free one-hour session with a financial coach so you can learn more about what we do and we can learn more about you and see if we are able to help you and if it is a good fit. There's no obligation or cost for that. It's just a a good intro session to get some ideas about what you could be doing. Now, finally, Sarah, last question before we sign off. What's on your agenda today and are you going skiing? (laughs) I'm not going skiing because it's summer over here now. So I've just finished up with, I'm currently in San Fran with the Hacker Exchange Group, which is a group of students that are in Silicon Valley for two weeks. And I am the in-house entrepreneur. So I'm with them for two weeks, helping them on their startups that they're working on and coming on the tours to Stanford and Google and all of that. So today I already, it is more toward the end of my day, I presented to them on my founder journey. So I talked talk them through my journey and answered their questions. And then, you know what I want to, it's the 4th of July, so it's Independence Day. And so there'll be some parties going on in the US, which will be fun. So we're hoping to find a party. But one thing I want to do is I'm vegan and there is this burger over here called Impossible Foods Burger. And it's a fully plant-based burger that tastes like meat. And there's three restaurants in San Fran that are serving mm-hmm. it. And I am, I've found the one that I'm going to and I'm going to go there and eat that vegan burger for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Well, it sounds like a great day lined up. I love that you're always giving back, particularly to that next generation of entrepreneurs who are going through the Hacker Exchange, but also giving your time to us at Redbirds this morning and being a part of our podcast series, Where Are They Now? And we will definitely come back to you in another year and see where are you now. So thanks so much, Sarah, for being with us and hope you have a wonderful rest of 2017. Well, of course, anytime. Thank you for having me and I look forward to chatting in a year. I look forward to seeing you sometime. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right, take care and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That was Joe Burston, CEO and founder of Inspiring Rare Birds, joining us from Sydney with her special guest. Thanks for listening. For more business insights, visit inspiringrarebirds.com.